Well, good morning again. And I'm so glad to be here with you guys at First Covenant Church of Lincoln. Um, just, I know you've heard a little bit about me so far, but I did want to give you a little bit more of an introduction um, of who I am this morning. But again, my name is Jessica Eden, and I serve as the Children's Ministry Director at Bethlehem Covenant Church, which is just a stone's throw north of you guys in Waverly, Nebraska. And you know, one thing I just love about Nebraska that I'm sure you do as well is just being able to witness God's creation and the heartland of our nation. I love watching the sunrises and sunsets and just getting to see the beauty in the creation out here. And I'm sure you guys do as well. But I'm actually originally from Kansas City and my husband and I moved back to Nebraska in 2015. Um, we now actually have three kids, ages six, four, and two, and you'll be hearing tidbits about um, my oldest um, a little bit in today's message. So, well, as I began preparing today's message and speaking to Pastor Evan a few weeks ago, he did mention that you guys as well have been going through the book of Philippians, kind of that Philippians 2 creed over the last few weeks, and then even in your adult education class. So upon knowing that, I actually spent some time myself in reading the book of Philippians with you and studying that scripture and that text. But whenever I study scripture or I'm looking um, and joining a Bible study or I'm reading something, I'm always kind of looking for that what's next part, that practical application, how I can continue in something new in my faith walk and my faith journey. And so that kind of led me to the topic for our sermon today, our to be continued, if you will, how you continue in your faith walk, how you continue after you've learned something in a Bible study or through listening to a sermon. So we're going to take that what's next step today. Paul himself, to me, really seems kind of like a practical guy. If you've ever read his letters, he's always seen, seems to be explaining himself, giving examples, and he even does this in his letter in the book of Philippians, which is his letter to the Christians in the city of Philippi. To me, he always seems to kind of speak with this sense of urgency and this kind of pushing forward. He seems to me to plead with his audience back then, and I believe he pleads with us today to kind of continue in our faith walk. You can really hear it in our key verses today. In Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, when Paul writes, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So when I was studying this book, these were the verses that really stuck out to me as I was studying it. And so I just really want to take some time to dive deeper into this whole continuing theme with you today. Well, back when I was in college, I participated in a Bible study, and I learned what I'd call three big Bible terms that sounded really complicated at the time, but I've really just come to love. And they are justification, sanctification, and glorification. They just kind of have a nice ring to it, don't they? Well, while they sound complicated, when broken down, they're really quite great words. So the first one, justification. And this is really when you come, the moment you come to faith in Jesus Christ, when you trust him as your Lord and Savior. You have believed in him and his work on the cross, and so now you are made right or you are justified before God. So that's the first one. I'll skip the second one momentarily and go to glorification, the third one. And glorification is the moment when we enter that eternal rest with our triune God, when we're up in the heavenly realms, we will then be glorified because of God's presence. Well, the second one, if we jump back to the middle one, is sanctification. And simply put, sanctification is just the process of becoming more like Christ. So we work with the Holy Spirit to rid ourselves of our sinful nature. And so we have, 
this opportunity to be justified, to be made right before God, then we are in the process of being sanctified to continue to work out our salvation, and then we will be glorified. But sanctification is really where we're at today. We are in the process of being sanctified. And that is really what Paul is talking about in many of his letters, this idea of continuing in your faith, continuing to be more like Christ, and continuing to work out our salvation in those very personal ways. So I'd like to continue Paul's urging to keep working on our faith using two main themes that I see in Paul's letters, this idea of continuing to rejoice and continuing to persevere. So first we're going to look at how we continue to persevere. Well, my husband Jason says a phrase that I really like, and you've probably heard it as well before, but it's this idea that you're never just staying the same. You're either getting better or you're getting worse, right? Now this can be true of so many things in life whether you're working on fitness goals or eating habits, learning a language, playing an instrument or a sport, even in our work and our occupation. Something that we might have been good at in high school or college is now what, when we talk with our friends, becomes our glory days. Yeah, we've all got some of those. But the same, though, is true of our faith. If we stop studying the Bible, if we no longer attend church or spend time in prayer, we will slowly start to lose all that we've learned in those previous years. But the cool thing is, is you guys are taking part in this right now. You decided to come and make a commitment to attend church, even when there was a guest speaker. Thank you, by the way. It's no fun speaking to an empty room, even though I'd be speaking online. But there were probably at least three other things, maybe a million other things that you could have done this morning, but instead you chose to come to church. You persevered against the temptation to, you persevered against temptation to prioritize something else over God. You chose to be here or online listening and learning. And really, it's just been my prayer as I've prepared this message that today you've been able, you would be able to learn something new, something that would help you grow in your faith walk, something that encourages you maybe to take that next step in your faith walk, like to join a Bible study or a small group or invite a friend to church. It is imperative for all of us to keep learning in our faith journey because the moment we decide that we've learned enough, we, stop, we start losing all that we've already learned. We can actually use this, mar- this example, I think, in marriage as well. This week, I've actually been nar- married nine years, um, and there's times in every year that I feel like my husband and I get put on what I call a switch schedule. Now, this is when my husband works the normal daytime hours, and then the moment he walks in the door, I give him a quick rundown of the day and what's going on with the kids. I leave for a few hours, come back, we're all ready for bed, and we do the same thing the next day. You know, and throughout that entire time, I've still remained married, just as how once we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are always in his hands. But we don't always have the time together that we once did, especially before we had kids. But the same can be said with our relationship with God. When you first came to faith in God, you probably had a lot of time to spend time in Christian community, reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, but then you probably slowly got busy and you might have put God on the switch schedule. You might send up a prayer every now and then saying thank you for something or asking God for help. Just like I might send a text to a friend saying thanks for what you've done or ask my husband to pick up something at the store. But unless we work and persevere to get past these transactional conversations, we will slowly begin to lose our intimacy with that person whether it's just a close friend, our spouse, or even God. So then how do we get out of that routine? How do we persevere through normalcy and busyness? 
Honestly, I think busyness is one of those, um, one of the least obvious tactics that Satan uses to pull us away from Christ. We think we're doing okay, adding a few more things into our schedule, but then we become more and more busy as we add in a few more things, and they might even be good things. But I think, I wonder if we as a society have become so busy that we've forgotten where our true priorities lie. I think many of us saw this this last year when everything got pulled out of our schedules, but we're either now busy again or we're deciding how much we can fit back into our schedule. Hopefully, though, you had made the decision over this last year to put Christ first, even in this crazy year. But I think some of the best ways to persevere through times of busyness in our faith walk is to try something new. Let me challenge you with a few things. Are you sitting in the same pew that you have been week after week? If you are, try sitting somewhere new next week and strike up a conversation with someone that you wouldn't have otherwise. Maybe you're reading the same devotional every morning. Try reading a different Bible study or starting in a small group or maybe read in a different spot in your house or a different time of day. I would encourage you to spend some time today with God and asking him where you can be challenged in your faith walk so that you can grow into a deeper relationship with him so that we can move forward and persevere and not just fall back. Sometimes, ironically, though, I think we hold our younger generations to a higher persevering standard than we do ourselves. You know, we're at a time in our life where we've tried enough things and know what works well and what doesn't work well for us, so we get comfortable. Uh, My son, Andrew, has recently become fascinated with the Titanic, and I have read more than my fair share of Titanic books over the last many months, but he also loves to create. He has a box of creating things in our basement that he can go to and create with any time that he likes. And so over the last um, many months, he has built a lot of boats. <laughs> this picture shows a common scene I find when I walk into his bathroom um, as he's testing out his latest boat tonight, design. And this is one of his small boats. Um, they have been much larger as well, which they go in the bathtub then. Um, but you know, sometimes he can become so frustrated when they start to take on water or they don't work the way he wants. Yet, as a loving parent, I make sure I take time to encourage him, and maybe I'll give him a few suggestions, but then I tell him to keep going. I encourage him to persevere when he hits those trials. But as I've listened to myself encourage him, I wonder if I've done the same for myself. Now, I realize I'm not making toy boats, and you probably aren't either, but have I always allowed or listened to the Holy Spirit when I needed to persevere and continue through something, or did I just give up? For example, have I continued to reach out to friends and families that I haven't seen in a while or that I've been hurt by? Is the Holy Spirit asking me to step out in faith and continue through something? Maybe to do something like share the gospel with a friend or pray with someone. Where is God asking me to push through to accomplish his purposes? Where can you continue just a little bit more than to persevere? Persevering is when you keep going even when your faith feels like it's not exciting or when God seems silent. It's keeping going when you continue to pray and read your Bible even when you feel like your faith walk has kind of lost that joy or lost that spark. In James 1.12, it even tells us that we are blessed when we persevere as it says, blessed are those who persevere under trial for when you have stood the test, you will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those, to those who love him. You know, our trials are not typically what the early church went through, But I feel, again, that busyness can be one of those hidden tactics that Satan uses to stunt our faith. So when you do actually walk with God through a season of busyness, 
and say no to that extra commitment, you are actually being blessed by God as you grow closer to him and are no longer conforming to the world. You are being blessed with a crown of full, of full of abundant life. Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 3 even tells us to run the race with perseverance. And to do that, we must keep our eyes focused on Jesus because he has already gone through all we have struggled with and he suffered even more. You know, I am not someone who loves to run, but when I did run or when I watch people run, I've noticed that we don't run with our eyes down. Nope. You typically run with your eyes up, looking for your next, your next hill, your next goal, your next point of rest. When I did run, I used to actually recite James 1.12 over and over again. I'd be, blessed is the man who perseveres in trust, you know, always out of breath. Because it would help me keep my focus and my gaze on my next point of rest. Well, in our faith walk, Jesus is the one who we fix our gaze on because he is the one that gives us spiritual rest as we continue in life and in trials. Paul even continues his pressing on theme in chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, in which he writes, I forget what is behind, straining for what is ahead. I press on towards the goals to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, I love this reminder from Paul because I can easily rehash details of an argument or a decision I've made wishing I could redo them. But Paul kindly reminds us that our focus is on our ultimate goal, which is Christ and in heaven. There's a circle graphic that I learned about in college, and it had two circles, an inner, smaller comfort circle and an outer growth circle. And in short, what my college teachers were telling me was that if we stay in our comfort circle, we will never grow. So in order to move into growth, we had to go out of our comfort zone. But you might have guessed where I'm going with this. When you're not comfortable, what are you? You're uncomfortable, <laughs> right. I tried to find that same graphic again, but I wasn't able to find that same exact one, but I think I found one that's even better. Now, this graphic is from the Institute for Advancement of Cognitive Education. Now, if that doesn't make you sound smart when you say it, I'm not sure what does. But instead of just that comfort and growth zone, it actually adds a fear and a learning zone. But we've got to remember that if we don't ever make ourselves uncomfortable, we won't grow. There is nothing to persevere through if we're always comfortable. So remember to try new things, continue to learn, to grow in your faith, and when you do face trials, keep your gaze focused on Jesus himself. So I've touched a little bit on those comfort and growth zones, but now I'd like to touch on the fear zone. Now, I'm probably going to guess that this is everyone's least favorite zone, as it is mine, but I think <laughs> it can be just a really special spot for believers because I think it could also be referred to as the joy zone. Now, if you've ever spent time reading any of Paul's other letters, you can probably get a sense that he starts to always write with either a main or a secondary theme of joy. Now, ironically, Paul has very little physically um, joyful circumstances. He had been jailed and beaten, sickly, left for dead on occasion, but he still tells his readers to rejoice. In fact, in just this one book of Philippians, he uses the words joy and rejoice 13 times. So I feel like it's something that Paul knows a little bit about. However, I think it's important to note that he typically follows up the words to rejoice or that command to rejoice with three small but very important words, either in the Lord or in Christ Jesus. Just like he does in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, and it says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Without those three little words at the end, I feel like joy can take on a very different meaning. 
Joy then is simply great success, good fortune, or happiness. But as a believer, we have joy in the risen Lord, no matter our circumstances. We rejoice in the Lord, not in our earthly circumstances, not when we're afraid. Our joy is not of this world, and I think this is how joy and fear can go together. Let's relook at the second half of verse 12, where I feel like this comes into play. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Now, if I'm being honest, when I read a verse like this on my own, I might just kind of skim over this part because it doesn't sound all that fun or good. But a Bible dictionary, I feel like, can give us great perspective on what some of these words mean. And for me, it was fear and trembling. So the Strong's Bible Dictionary actually defines fear and trembling together. And it says, the anxiety of one who distrusts their own ability completely to meet all requirements, but religiously does their utmost to fulfill their duty. Now again, the point, the part I want you to focus on there is the anxiety of one who distrusts their own ability completely. So our fear comes from realizing our own lack of ability to do something that's been asked of us, which makes sense. We become afraid when we realize we can't do something. Just like Moses, who asked God to send someone else in his place to free the Israelites because he felt like he wasn't a good speaker. Or like David, when he was selected ahead of his brothers being unskilled and untrained to be king. Or even Queen Esther, who faced the death penalty when her uncle asked her to approach the king, her husband, to try to save the Jews from annihilation. We often have great reason to be afraid, just like these biblical examples. But then why do they, or why should we, do something we're afraid of anyways? Well, it's because of Christ. During our fearful times, or times when we're afraid, it's the perfect chance to rejoice in the Lord. Not rejoice in our potential success, but rejoice before we have success because of God in us and the Spirit's amazing ability to work in us. So joy and fear for us can be at the exact same time. We are continuing to work out our salvation when we fear or when we're afraid because it gives us the chance to do something with God. He has already conquered it all, and so we can do things that we are fearful of with great joy. It then becomes possible, possible for us to persevere because we know it as the Holy Spirit lives in us and helps us to work through that fear. Continuing to rejoice in our faith walk doesn't mean we're always happy and smiling because we know that some days that's not possible. But it means continuing to rejoice through our fear in our faith walk because we know it's hard work to keep going in spite of our fear and to press on to that joyful spot. But it's the joy that comes from knowing God has already conquered the grave and now lives in us. We get this rare opportunity to live in this struggle of joy and fear. The idea of the fear between realizing that our own ability is completely lacking, but that we get to continue to do things joyfully because God has prepared them for us and because he lives in us. And that should, without a doubt, give us absolute joy. Isn't it great just to be reminded that it is God who lives and works in us? With God alone, our fear zone becomes our joy zone. My kids actually have recently watched the Incredibles movie. Anybody else? Yeah, yep, very nice. Well, I'll give you a little background on it, but when we went on a road trip, I get the pleasure of listening to these movies while we are driving. Um, and so there was one quote that stood out to me more than it has ever before this time. Now, if you've seen the movie, you know it's about a family of superheroes that's currently banned from saving people. 
but they find themselves in a situation where they have to use their talents to save themselves. So just before the scene where this quote comes from, the, the, the daughter, Violet, tries to apologize to her mom um, because she didn't use her powers to kind of get them out of a sticky situation. So her mom replies with this quote, doubt is a luxury we cannot afford, but you have more power than you realize. If the time comes, you'll know what to do. It's in your blood. You know, it's a great quote by itself, but I think if we change just a few words, it can become so true for us as well. Listen to it now. Fear is a luxury we cannot afford, but you have more power than you realize with God. When the time comes, you'll know what to do. It's the Holy Spirit in you. So this idea, this process of continuing to work out our salvation and continuing our sanctification doesn't have to come in these huge monumental changes, but it does mean we always need to be continuing, continuing to fix our eyes on Jesus, continuing to persevere with both joy and fear, and it means reminding ourselves that we don't need to rely on our own abilities, but instead realizing that we have far more power with God and with the Holy Spirit in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder that you are in us. And even when we are afraid, we get this rare opportunity to be joyful because you are in us and you have abilities far beyond our own. Lord, thank you for this Spirit's ability to help us go and conquer things that you have, in it, you have prepared for us to do. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to continue to grow and to be more like you. Lord, I pray that you speak to each of us today to give us ideas and opportunities to walk forward in our faith, to continue to persevere through whatever we're going through right now. Lord, I pray that you speak clearly and boldly to each of us today so that we know where you are leading us and that we can be reminded that it is the Holy Spirit that works in us. Amen. <laughs>